Welcome to the Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. Today, we're joined by Skip Purley, and we are so, so honored to have him with us. Skip is CEO of Thompson Electric Company. He's actually been with Thompson since 1976, so he has quite a long tenure with that company. Skip, thank you so much for agreeing to join us and to be part of this series for the electrical construction industry. Thanks, Carolyn. It's truly a pleasure to be here. Um, um, as you know, I've been very involved in NECA and Electric for a long, long time. And um, I think what we're doing here is just is incredible. And I really enjoyed watching the, the leaders um, in the same series um, speak earlier and looking forward to um, helping anybody that I can. Thompson describes itself as a premier electrical contractor and a technology integration company. When you think about what it would take to lead your company successfully, did you start with a specific strategy and approach or did it evolve over time from when you were named CEO in the mid 1990s going forward from that? Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, it definitely evolved over time. Um, I would say um, when I started, we were a pretty traditional electrical contractor. I was fortunate enough to work um, for Mr. Thompson um, at the time. And um, he had a, a belief that he was a business person in the business of electrical contracting as opposed to a lot of our peers think of themselves as electricians that um, just want to have their own company rather than work for somebody else. And I think that mindset is different. And so he, from the very beginning, pushed things like business development and marketing and how do we improve processes and, and continually pushed hard to uh, drive our company forward. And that, that was the environment that I really grew up in. Um, and, um, then, um, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, um, as the technology really started to enter into our business, we really um, started to see the need to bring more and more technology um, into our company, both in the services that we offer to our clients, as well as using it in the way we do business. When you describe Thompson in the materials that you have to promote the company, you talk about using advanced technology and innovative solutions to help your clients. Can you give us an example of when a solution that you offered worked well and maybe an example of when it didn't? Oh, uh, great question. Um, I think early on, uh, many of you are probably familiar with Gateway Computers. Um, Gateway actually was founded here in our hometown and we were their electrical contractor throughout their entire um, life. And um, as a startup company, um, they, really had, they really had very little knowledge about building or electrical systems and what they really needed. And it was a, a real opportunity for us to go in 
and lay out a plan for them to make sure that their facility uh, was up and running all the time. And at, at that time, that was UPS systems and generators and power factor correction and um, power conditioning. Uh, harmonics were a big thing at that time, if you remember. And um, the client was very concerned about spending and they, they didn't want to spend extra money, but they were always very willing to spend on um, equipment that helped them be more successful. And so I think we built a niche with them uh, that allowed us to stay with that company through its entire um, period of success. Um, so I think that was a, that was a great example. I, I think a somewhat of a negative example, and it really isn't, it, it isn't work that we did, but it's work that we didn't do. Um, because sometimes I think we as electro contractors can get hung up on the fact that we think of ourselves as electro contractors and in the world, there's a belief amongst many of our customers of what an electrical contractor does. And so we had a company, um, heavy manufacturing company that we literally had been doing work for, for 70, 80 years. And, um, their CFO, um, I don't know, reading magazines, whatever, decided that they needed to relight their plant. And um, reading magazine articles, they didn't even think that that was electrical contractors' work. That was the lighting people that kind of traveled around the country. And so they reached out. And before you know it, this um, this company that we had a strong relationship with was doing a lighting retrofit job, and we were not involved in it. And And it was a big lesson to us. Uh, shame on us for not um, building a relationship in that case with the CFO. We only had relationships with the plant people um, and um, telling them what we could do for them. So sometimes it's not always the technology, but it's the approach with a client. And it seems like more and more higher level employees are getting involved in these decision-making things and in the CFO and C-suite offices, we can't, we can't just rely on the facilities manager to bring our message to um, a client, even those that we have a great relationship with. Do you consider yourself to be an innovator and are there certain skill sets that a leader needs to have in order to be an innovative leader? Yeah, I, I, I would say I do consider myself an innovator, and I think uh, most of the people here in our company would, would agree with that, and sometimes um, I drive them crazy because of that, and um, I, I sometimes get confused or accused of sort of chasing the next squirrel um, around the block, and, uh, but I, I think um, a few things that are really key to that. One is really paying attention to what's going on in in the world, even beyond construction. Um, and um, for me, that's been a lot of why I got so involved in Nika and Electri, um, to just continue to learn. And But it's not all just there. Um, one of the stories that I um, talked a lot about a few years back, I don't know, say five to 10 years ago, really was talking to our people about customer expectations and how Amazon really drove our customer expectations. Um, because you placed an order for something, immediately you get confirmation, you get follow-up emails, the product is on its way, you'll have it by noon tomorrow, here's how you can track it. 
And that's that was the expectation that our customers were beginning to expect from us and more typical in construction. We weren't near, we weren't communicating nearly that um, specific with our clients uh, when they asked us, you know, when are, you know, when are the light fixtures going to be there? Oh, you know, well, they've been ordered for six weeks. They said about eight weeks. So maybe another four weeks or, you know, that kind of conversation and it's frustrating to our clients. So you have to drive that by paying attention to what other people um, are, are expecting from other parts of their day, so to speak. How do you as a leader keep your company on a straight path? You, you must have a path that you follow because you know that doing it that way is not as good as doing it that way. So how do you keep to that straight path and at the same time be open to doing new, doing new things new ways as a business model for your firm? Are they in conflict or not? Yeah, sometimes they are. And for us, and um, I think... I think this would work generally for most electoral contractors. We have a really strong leadership team. Um, in our case, it's um, um, four people. And we are very different, uh, very different personalities, very different backgrounds, uh, very different in in sort of what drives us personally. And so we, we argue, um, we... Um, um, debate we we struggle through things and um generally speaking i'm i'm pushing a little harder for um sort of newer things bolder things and um and sometimes um my team says we can't do that and here's here's why we can't or we shouldn't do that or wow you know that's a crazy idea but you know give us a little bit of time to think it through and and so um, um, sometimes we just learn um, by diverse thinking of how, how we really can implement that. And then once we kind of agree, we lay out a plan as to how to do it and make sure we've got the right people on the bus. But I think one of the real key things is to make sure you, you cannot do this alone. You have to have a team of people and you don't want a team that's all exactly like you. You want diverse thought in that room. So you talk about the team that you have now and you mentioned four people, but how do you identify up and coming leaders who will continue to make sure that Thompson is successful for many more decades to come? Where do you look to to find new leaders for the company? Yeah, that's um, that's a great question. And I, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges facing all of us right now is how we build how we build that bench strength. Um, we, we believe we have a lot of really good leaders. Um, I'm going to say in the next generation behind me, um, but we've got to begin working more on the generation behind that because it takes quite a bit of time. And for us, um, we added a HR department and, uh, and uh, uh, development um, employee development person who's, whose full-time job is to really um, be working on that plan all the time. But it's also our individual leaders 
even down to the foreman levels, um, communicating and saying, hey, I just met um, this employee named um, Sally and, and she's awesome. Um, you know, we need to pay attention to her and help her and figure out um, how she can go because she's really impressive. And for me personally, I, I have brought several leaders in from outside that I have met um, on boards, various sort of community boards or um, and spend time with somebody and really like their style, really like their intelligence, um, like their thinking. And um, after several months, um, invite them to lunch and say, hey, you know, why don't you come think about coming to work for us? And right away they say, doing what? And I usually say, I don't have a clue. Um, we need to figure, <laughs> we need to figure that out because I think um, hiring uh, really good people um, is the start and then figuring out what you're going to do with them. Is being a leader in your community as important to you as being a leader in your company? It is for me. Um, Tell us about and, what you do in the community. Oh, um, I, I just have been very involved in the community. I just this morning came from, uh, it's called the Siouxland Initiative. It's our economic development um, group that attempts to bring um, large projects into our community. And I chaired that group. I've chaired our Chamber of Commerce, um, hospital board, um, anyway, a, a lot of things. But um, it's been a great learning experience for me, but it's also how I've met a lot of other business leaders and get close to them, which helps uh, sort of um, make sure that we're um, at least considered for projects. But I also encourage all of our employees um, and primarily our leaders, but every employee. I mean, just as an example in our company, every employee is given one day off per year with pay to volunteer for whatever project they want to volunteer in the community. Um, but we have a lot of um, managers and up that are um, very involved. And I use it as a measuring tool of their leadership ability. So often internally in the company, we promote somebody and make them a manager or a superintendent or a foreman, whatever. And they have positional power. And when they get employees to follow them, so to speak. You don't always know whether it's because uh, they're afraid, you know, to do wrong um, or they're just following because of that um, positional power or if they're truly following a leader. When we have a manager that is involved in a nonprofit board and they become chairman of that board or they lead a project, um, whatever that project is, um, they're not given power um, in the sense of a position. They are, um, they become a leader um, because people are willing to follow them. And, and so we, we really look at that as a way to judge our leadership ability of our team. If they can really become a leader in multiple boards, um, we really think that's an indicator of their, of their strength and uh, how, teams of people will follow them when they don't have to. You have been involved with both NECA and with Electri International for many years. In your experience with Electri International, are there any particular studies or projects that in your estimation proved to be really valuable in helping you 
advance your leadership skills and to think about the growth of your company? Are there are there certain projects that come to mind and say, you know, that's the best thing I ever followed or paid attention to or put in the recommendations? Are there particular projects? Well, Carolyn, the, the one that really, frankly, changed our company um, almost 20 years ago now, at least 15 years ago, was the study from uh, MCA about the uh, operational cost differences between union and non-union companies. And um, it it um, was awesome because I was able to get our leadership team at the time to read that uh, study in its entirety and pay attention to it in a little bit of a bait and switch manner because they were really interested in it because they believed what they were going to read was how all of our problems really are the costs of union construction. And instead, what they learned is that we need to do a better job of managing our field people. And it really changed a lot of hearts and minds in our um, mid-level management team. And we went on a, about a five-year journey at that time to, to change many of the ways that we managed our field. And I don't believe it would have happened um, nearly as quick um, without that, without that sort of um, trickery that that um, document allowed us. When you think about Electri's future going forward, and you've been very active with all of the program selections, program review, task forces, all of it, would you say, you know, Electri really should be commissioning a study on X. This topic is important to the industry as a whole, and it's important to me, Skip Hurley. Is there anything specific that comes to your mind that you want to make sure Electri looks at in the next several years? Um, I'm not sure that I can come up with one right off the top of my head, Carolyn. I'm really happy with where the the program review committee is going and the whole um, foundation is going lately. I, I think we've reached a good balance between offering studies that sort of help um, all of our contractors immediately or very quickly, as well as studies that are kind of far out there. And I'm sure many of our um, contractors say, you know, I don't even know why we're doing that. That's that's kind of far out, you know. Um, but if if it's not us, who's going to do it? And and so I think if I have a suggestion, it's that we continue to make sure as leaders in electory, we push that sort of those boundaries and are um, pushing our people to learn more about what's that next thing coming that's five or 10 years down the road, even though um, none of us, sort of are going to read that and start doing that kind of work tomorrow. Um, but if we don't pay attention to that, we won't be prepared when it, when it really gets here. I think we really missed, you know, our industry um, as electoral contractors. I think we've missed the mark on some of those um, new things that um, non-construction um, people came in and, and dominated. And I, and I, I fear things today right now. I think we're we're seeing that threat in uh, POE lighting. Can you um, give what, us some examples? 
well, where POE lighting is being done in buildings by, um, it's not even non-union electoral contractors. It's um, not electoral contractors because in many of our states, it's not licensed work. Um, it's security companies can, um, you know, can bid and sometimes be successful in doing that kind of work. And um, I think sometimes our our companies and even our people um, don't want to invest in the in the learning and the and uh, what it takes, even marketing to go after that kind of work, and just assume it will keep coming to us because lights are done by electoral contractors, and I, I don't think that's automatically a given. What is the best advice that you have ever received about being a leader? Um, I, I think I'll bring up two things. Um, one, um, when I was really, you know, seems like a long, long time ago, I was about 30 years old and I, um, I had just taken on some kind of a, a role, probably service manager in our company. And um, I got a call from a, a pretty prominent developer in our area wanted to go to lunch. And uh, for me, it was like, Oh my God, you know, this is like really cool. Um, and uh, went to lunch with him and um, all he really wanted to talk about was me. And I, I didn't know this guy from Ella beans, but he basically said, you know, you're an upcoming leader in this community. Um, you need to get involved and sort of step up and make sure that that our community is um, doing very good things, and don't just sit back and and let it happen. Um, you you need to be at that table, and um, I took that very seriously, and um, have tried to do the same thing with others. and And the other um, one that really hit home with me was uh, I was having dinner with a friend that's a CEO of a large insurance company here. And uh, we were talking about roles and he, he had said that he had been given the job of uh, CFO or CEO about um, 20 ish years um, before we were having dinner, but he never really became CEO until um, about six to eight years prior to when we were having dinner. And that, it really took me a while to really figure out what he was saying. And I look back at my own, um, my own career. And I think the same thing happened to me. Um, I think we said earlier that I became CEO of this company in the mid nineties, but I, I would say I really didn't start acting like a CEO CEO until somewhere around 2010, maybe. And what I mean by that is really stepping away from the day-to-day -day fray and really working on the company and, and what, what do we want this company to be out five, 10 years from now and working on ownership and transition and, and development of future leaders. And that's when I felt like I truly became a CEO um, rather than a manager. Is there a specific piece of advice that you would offer to our audience of what it takes to think like a leader, not to act like a leader, but to think like a leader? Is there something that you've learned that you want to share with them about, boy, this has really helped me to be able to power through when I never thought I would get through to X? 
Yeah, I I really summarize it by just saying and get involved and pay attention. Um, get involved in your community, pay attention to what's going on, get involved in a national organization like NECA and pay attention to what's going on, um, get involved in other leadership groups in your community from other industries so you can learn what they're thinking about and be involved in your company. Um, management by walking around um, is really um, key. Um, I spend a lot of time of my day just walking around talking to to our employees um, and and just listening to what's on their mind. And, and that's how I believe that I'm able to sort of step above the, the individual problems and the day-to-day frustrations and, and say, here's, here's an area that we need to improve on and here's how we can do that. Well, Skip, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's very, very clear that not only are you a leader in your company, but that you also really take to heart your leadership in terms of helping other electrical construction professionals be the best leaders that they can be, and definitely to helping your community in so many different ways. So we thank you, and we hope our audience will enjoy the conversation as much as I have. Bye-bye for now. Thanks, Carolyn. Bye. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening. 